What did you have for breakfast today? Uh, breakfast this morning was porridge with protein powder. Okay. Is that the gold standard? It's what I have every day. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have 110 grams of oats and just like a scoop of protein powder. There you go. Two minutes, two minutes to two minutes 20 in the microwave, depending how much water I have it in soaking the night before. podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E dot com slash media. Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neural.com slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON. Welcome to Uncommon, the podcast that helps you build your knowledge, skills, and mindset through interviews with unique individuals. My name is Jordan Michaelides, the CEO of Neural Media and your host. In this episode, I have for you Andrew Lauderstein. Andy is a retired Australian swimmer, three-time Olympic medalist, owner of the New Wave Swim School, and director of Engine Swim. Andy is the perfect match of both talent and hard work, and you can see that he's clearly aware that he holds a nous for sport and high performance, but he he rarely lets that get in the way of this focused growth mindset that I think has always existed in his life. When I spoke with his sister, it was interesting that she highlighted his willingness to give even mere mortals like myself the time in his very busy schedule when really he just doesn't have to. And with everything else going on, it would seem uh, unrealistic to do so. I remember Andrew very well from my early years at the Senior School of Brighton Grammar. Lordo, as he was affectionately known, was somewhat of a god for us year nine kids, but surprisingly one of the friendliest people you'd come across at the school. That leadership and willingness to care about people is what his sister spoke about and, and was the attribute that always made me look up to him and how to carry yourself as a man. This was a great chat where we covered everything from reuniting with Brighton Grammar, why swimming, his time at the Olympics, engine swim, crucial elements of swimming, swimming that is. Uh, we then got into BJJ, CrossFit and the high performance mindset as well as covering burnout and how he decompresses. This is a very, very good episode from a former Olympian. So I think this would be enjoyable for anyone who likes sport, the Olympics or swimming. So if you have a friend that enjoys that sort of stuff, do share it with them. Or if you like this, do consider subscribing on your podcast app. We mentioned two episodes in this episode. And I think if you want to check out something similar, do go have a look at Eugene Teo episode one or Olivia or Husky episode 89 where we both spoke about high performance fitness if you want the show notes to those episodes as well as Andy's just head to neural.com slash podcast that's n-e-u-r-a-l-l-e dot com slash podcast 
But as I say each week to you guys, thank you so much for listening, our regulars for coming back, our newbies for giving us a shot. I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Andrew Lauderstone. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. On, uh, well, it's, it's now like a bit of a sunny afternoon, is it? Mm. Given that I think it was hot at the start of the week, freezing cold midweek, and now we're cracking back into some, uh, some nice warm weather. Um, your, your sister plus a few others have given me many different elements to get <laughs> an icebreaker into you. You know, whether it's DJing, the titles, your inability to balance on uh, the surf board. <laughs> so, what is it? Surf life-saving board? Yeah. They they call it a board in surf life-saving, but yeah. people would maybe know it better by like a Malibu. So, it's the one where you see them racing in surf life-saving, paddling on their knees. Yeah. I'm still battling to get on my knees. <laughs> the one thing that stood out to me, though, was you did this race with Mark Howie Howard. Yeah. ages ago <laughs> and it's still on the internet on youtube there and it had me wondering now that you're retired what's the probability of him coming close to beating you not a chance, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> that was a handicap race and if you watch the footage again he slows down so much at the end yeah i think they gave him like a 15 second head start i think i uh, maybe even yeah think about 15 seconds yeah, yeah. it's way too much over 53 <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah, because you, I don't know, he got pretty close. He, he got reasonable. Mm. It wasn't like, you know, you beat him by five body lengths. Mm. But um, I, I wonder if he still had that. Although he would have lost, he's probably lost a bit of fitness since then as well. Well, if he's out there, he's got a podcast himself called The Howie Games, which is a pretty good podcast. Yeah. And Howie, I challenge you to a 53 anytime, mate. <laughs> I'm going to send this directly to him because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get him on the podcast at the moment. Um, when you think back, back to your childhood what's the earliest memory you have of swimming or just, just life. in life um growing up for me was in black rock so lots of time just at our house in arkringer crescent um always have really fond memories for me of black rock primary um and the friends that i had at black rock primary and i think something that i reminisce on a little bit now um is the freedom that we had as kids um, opposed to almost children now and how much time we spent kicking the footy, riding bites and just mucking around and getting into trouble after school. Yeah, I think um, that was such an easier time of life and I, I wonder if you see that now that you do the swimming classes, mm. like just the, not the exuberance, but the, the, the excitement that mm. kids have for life, you know? Yeah, yeah it's... Um it's like because I we uh, at our swim school we've got quite a controlled environment. Maybe we get I still get to see kids having lots of fun, kind of almost within the street. Um, but then there's still a lot of times that you go, I go into the swim school and there'll be kids in the children's play area just staring at their iPad. Or really? and then you look at the you look down on pool deck and you've got kids swimming up and down in the water. Then you look at the parents and the parents are just sitting there looking at their phone. Yeah, you know I was talking about this with a comedian. How weird that is. Mm. You know, the, the process of kids learning to swim or mm. being at swimming classes and how parents are just sort of, it, it's weird. It's sort of like if you were an alien and you came to Earth and you'd never seen this process <laughs> before, it would almost seem like sort of cultish, you know, mm. like they're sitting around this arc of the pool. Yeah, but now, <laughs> now they're not even watching. It's, um, it's a 30-minute class where, well, our swim school, like, they're literally a meter away and like it, it, we've got signs up that says please like supervise your children at all times because a teacher can't always have eyes on a children on everyone yeah, yeah so part part safety part also just wanting to see their 
child have fun and progress and but some parents are still still too caught up in their Instagram feed. Yeah, well, you know, phones are very addictive, as we know. Yeah, and I guess some of the parents, it's a, it's an opportunity for them to get a bit of work done or something like that. Switch off. Get a off. break. Yeah. yeah, get a break. I know that's what my cousin would say. She says um, any sort of moment to get a break is, is relieving. But I guess it's the type of kids you have, you know. Mm. I, I know that if it was my parents or my mum... Any moment to get a break from me and my brother <laughs> and and my sister in a way as well would have been great because, you know, you just get some kids who are insane. Mm. Yeah. But it's interesting now a break is a when they when they get time to themselves it's a break and that's they look at their phone instead of, you know, going for a walk or something like that or Yeah. Yeah, it is weird that. Mm. You know That's and the it, default um, relaxation mode is phone. Yeah, it was sort of like escapism. Mm. You know, a mm. lot of and I, I'm guilty of doing that. I've tried to really taper it off at the moment. I've sort of condensed down to like one social media platform being allowed on my phone mm. and trying to look at it as little as possible. Which platform did you choose? Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think it's where everything is happening at the moment and probably the most relevant for the media work that we do. Mm. Um, but I'll still find myself jumping back on LinkedIn on the Chrome browser or whatever. <laughs> um, speaking of parents, growing up, and you think about your your own relationship with your parents and we all sort of find that there's an element of our parents that we see in ourselves, particularly as we grow up later in life, is or are there, what are the pr- principles that you still hold with you today that you've built from your parents? And they may have said it to you directly or maybe you just saw it indirectly through life. Hmm. I think something that... Um when I when I was growing up, I took took my parents a little bit for granted as far mm. as some of the characteristics that, that they were passing down to me, and thought that I was the way that I was just because that was me. Um, so when I whenever when I was swimming, I was always a hard worker. Um, I was always really disciplined, um, and then I would, I would have considered myself a good teammate. Mm. Um, and then over the last three years, owning the swim school with my parents, I've been able to work with them um, on a weekly and daily basis. And I now see that those traits that I had as a swimmer and now that I've kind of carried on into business, I've got from them. Yeah. Um, just to see my mum's work ethic um, behind the reception and my dad who does who handles all the accounts and just their, their willingness to do whatever it takes to make the business work and do yeah. whatever it takes to make it good for our clients our customers our swimmers and then also for the staff and then do whatever they can for me in with with my dual roles between the swim school and engine yeah. is just amazing so I've, I've got a great appreciation for the way they brought me up and and you know and, and that's i think how i was able to progress to make it to the olympics in swimming is through those cornerstone characteristics that they p- portrayed in me what do they do what do they do for work um nothing now um, but like, what did they do when you were growing up? Um, it's a funny question. I don't ever know what my dad did. Really? Um, he was in sales for a long time. Um, he, uh, okay. he worked for a company called Ferntree, yeah. um, which um, was one of the first resellers of like IBM computers. Okay. Um, and then he traded a lot of shares. Um, he, he loves accounts and finances and stuff like that. And I think his dream was always to own a business as well, um, to have something of his own. He worked for a company called Ch- Telechoice for five years, which was a branch of um, Optus, um, which went bankrupt. 
um, and then you retired. And then after being retired for two years, the opportunity to buy the swim school came up. And huh. after running the numbers, he's like, let's do this. It's a great opportunity. And then since then, he's been doing accounts. My mum, she's a she used to work in reception and then when once she had kids she was a full-time mum um until until probably i moved out so that would have been 2005 and then she just picked up some part-time work down at thomas ducks in black rock (laughs) yeah so she could work she was a checkout chick um i think she was there for maybe 10 years or something like that wow and then now she's like a gun a reception loves the kids loves everything about the swim school yeah. and she's just a good tough gritty worker <laughs> that's so funny it's 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 funny how you like i said you see certain elements of your parents in yourself mm. um i think work ethic is one of those underrated factors yeah i just feel like it's it's one of those things and you sort of learn to appreciate that sort of stuff in hindsight uh thomas ducks that's so funny it's great. It's gone now. It's um, a Woolworths Metro. Uh, BlackRock's been corporatized. It has. Yeah. That, all that stuff has. I remember when my parents um, bought their house in Brighton. Brighton was a dump, man. Mm. Brighton, where we live down on... We live just off Denny Street, Champion Street, which is parallel to Hampton. And uh, we moved into a house that was like so old and so grotty that the walls had like nicotine staining from the old lady who had cancer that died there <laughs> and so like all of the top of the roof inside the wall was covered in uh yeah like nicotine staining and so we like we did a few little renos mm. lived in that for a few years then built that and it's yeah only now like classic my parents sold their house to a chinese family wow. so that's like where most of the wealth is coming from now is expats um you know it's a lot it's a lot more of an international uh, not just like obvious wealthy Chinese families, but like, you know, a lot of Americans, Europeans that move there now. It's really changed quite a lot. Mm. Um, it's um, Is that within the last couple of years, the Chinese purchase? I, uh, yeah, that was yeah. probably 2015. Yeah. yeah, I moved out about... I, but they basically said to me, you've got to move out. We're selling the house. You're not getting a place big enough to fit you. <laughs> <laughs> Forced. Yeah, well, I was sort of clashing with me and my dad have very similar disagreeable very conscientious type personalities and so we just clashed back then quite a lot <laughs> i like it um but yeah they were like we get we're gonna downsize so you've got to there's out. no space for you <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um but yeah it's it's changed quite a- have you been back to brighton grammar recently? yeah i was actually so i got inducted to the brighton grammar hall of fame three mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. um and every three years they have a dinner i was there on wednesday night um okay. for the they put some new another 10 people into the hall of fame that's right so i was at the hall of fame dinner and yeah the they announced that they're going to be creating a new creative learning center for the senior school which is all going to be about entrepreneurship and just learning general life skills i think yeah it was um that was the first that first time they've announced it um it's going to be on the st andrews tennis courts and the tennis courts are going to go on the roof so behind the school wow what's it do do you know what it's going to be called like a creative learning center okay essentially yeah it's going to be pretty open plan and then it'll be a malleable um curriculum based on whatever the teachers see fit or and the principal sees fit so whether it's learning like um coding whether it's learning finance type stuff it's it's just prepare just general preparedness for life after school i think that's great i would have loved that at high school yeah i remember thinking like fuck there's so much shit that they like 
and I know I already knew how to like do a budget through my dad. I was obsessed with that sort of stuff. But there's so many little elements of life mm. that people, particularly at private schools, because in private schools you're quite sheltered in comparison in general mm. to most other schools, I feel. You get good at learning. Yeah. And you get good at reading, memorizing, oh, yeah. writing, that type of thing. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's... General common sense. Yeah. Or uncommon sense now. Correct. Yeah. It doesn't... You're not not completely prepared. I think um, then I think that the schools are now more aware of that. Brighton Grammar, every time I go there, I'm really impressed in the, the level of the boys that are at the school, if that makes yeah. sense. They're, they're well presented. They shake hands really well. They have make good eye contact and they're really proud to be from Brighton Grammar and a real gentleman, if yeah. that makes sense. They, they take some pride in themselves. Um, it's changed quite a lot. Mm. Yeah, at least I graduated in... 2008 so yeah it's i had my 10-year reunion last month i think maybe two months ago mm. yeah it was it was very interesting to go back they've got some good leaders in the school now i the, think so yeah yeah we, we've actually because we produce podcasts and video for other people as well and we've we're speaking to them about doing a podcast good one i'm, I'm intrigued as to whether that because they've got this thing called the Crowther Center or something like that, which is sort of like their research arm related to, you know, teaching essentially. Mm. So that's quite curious that you mentioned that. The guy Ray Swan would be the guy who would be great to host the podcast. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's who they're talking about. Yeah, I think he's actually started recording some. Um, I want to get into your career in a moment, but one thing that stood out, like it was quite obvious in your early years, you liked sport. So, you're doing AFL, baseball, swimming. I know that you chose swimming at about 16 because you had better control over the outcomes, essentially. I'm curious as to what sort of your earliest memory of swimming, like how, what, why is swimming and not, say, tennis? Yeah. Um, I was always at the beach. Always our okay. next door neighbor had a pool. So, I loved water. Um, always felt really comfortable in it. And then I think I just loved the progression like I loved getting a time for my effort and I love seeing improvement. I love seeing the hard work that I put in at training being rewarded with an improved time, mm. um, which is also to the detriment of swimming. Like once you start swimming worse, it becomes a lot harder to make those same sacrifices when you turn around and look at your time and you go, mm, another <laughs> shit swim. What would I do all that hard work for? Which is when sports that have a more grey result which yeah. is the, the result of either either a good effort or like in or a time or a win or a loss i think then becomes something that you can tra- transition to life after sport which mm-hmm. is kind of what i've done um but yeah swimming was just i love the progression i love the way it made me feel and i love the discipline involved in improvement yeah do you think that kids or c- certain people are just built for swimming more than others like how much of uh olympic swimmers are the Olympic swimmers because they're, you know, very hard working or are they, you know, obviously hard working and have the right talent necessary? I think it's a combination of the two. Um, yeah. So after owning the swim school for three years, okay. there hasn't been someone who's come through my swim school who's had the talent to, to be an Olympic level swimmer yet. Um, so I think there's an element of talent that'll get you so far, but and then it's the hard work that comes in. So the talent when you're eight, nine, ten to sit in the water in a good body position to actually have a feel of the water, um, and then just the 
the, the natural body mechanics of what makes a good swimmer. I think that is the talent part uh-huh. and you can get to a certain level with those attributes and then it's the hard work. So when I was probably 12, 13, 14, I was six foot, had a beard, was like a man child essentially. <laughs> so there was, there's a lot of those type of guys that are good at swimming really young yeah. who then at 14, 15 don't go the next step because it's either they can't continue continue to improve their skills, so like the dives, turns, finishes, like the one percenters, or they don't have that um, that hard work ingrained in them. They got those results quite easily, and then the younger the guys who are starting to grow into their body, who have the hard work, start to pass them. So those guys with the who uh-huh. are man child stop really early. So when I was fourteen, fifteen, there were people who kind of doubted that I would ever go to the next level. So that was always something that I think motivated me as well. Interesting. There was one thing that your sister spoke about. I asked her, what was, what's the trait that stands out the most to her <laughs> of you as an individual? And the one thing she said was leadership. And leadership can span many elements. But particularly, she mentioned things like having time for people. Like the fact that you could come here from Frankston today while you've got mm. all this stuff going on, I think sort of speaks to that. But also not showing any stress at all, although... <laughs> There may be a whole bunch of shit that's going on. Um, so, it just had me curious as to sort of how do, how do you sort of view your life? Like, what are, what are the principles that you sort of carry in life? It's a good question. And thanks, Sarah, for the um, compliment. <laughs> I've never heard her say something like that about me before. So, that was, um, that's touching. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I just, I've always tried to just do the right thing. Um mm. So I think my conscious radar for what's right is quite good. Um, I think that I always try to do the right thing by others as well. So like having an invitation to come and do a podcast, of course, I'm going to say yes. Um, And it's just about making it work. Um, I've got time for others because I actually care about others. Mm. I love hearing other people's story as much as I love telling my own story, (laughs) which I like to do as well. Um, And then I think the leadership part comes from just me just wanting to lead by example and knowing what from my history of i'm quite talented so i but then i put the hard work in so like things kind of come easy to me but i know that you have to work at it too so Mm -hmm. that's why i like to put my chuck myself into the deep end and just continue to go after time and time again i'm not i'm not afraid to fail um Mm -hmm. and then failing over and over again i'll get some improvement that's very interesting Mm. i think that's sort of a key attribute of people who've had success in any field Mm. is that unwillingness to just accept it, mm. which is super interesting to hear. Um, now, when it comes to your swimming career and the Olympics, I went back and had a look. Now, you competed in the 0709 World Champs Beijing Olympics where you had three medals, 100-meter butterfly, the medley relay, which you... Did you stroke butterfly? Yeah, or? I did butterfly. Oh, you were yeah. by then. Okay. Yeah, butterfly. Because you were doing backstroke for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I started off as a backstroker and then moved into butterfly and freestyle. Yeah. And then the 100-meter freestyle relay as well. Uh, your, your career, I think you've said in numerous interviews, spanned many locations. I think you're training mm. at Melbourne for your early years, then you moved up to the Gold Coast, then Sydney. Looking back at it all now, what's sort of the most interesting observation of that part of your life? Um, How lucky I was to get to do what I did. Um, The fact that I think I made the most of all of my opportunities as far as travel goes. um, I think I was lucky as well. 
Um, I was lucky to be guided by some really good coaches. Um, I had my coach from 11 to 21, Glenn Baker, did a great job of taking me through a boy from adolescence to to a man. Um, I was guided by some of the best minds in swimming ever. Um, I had a head coach called Alan Thompson who was just an amazing leader. Um, some youth coaches like Lee Nugent who are some of the best age group yeah. coaches of all time and then I got some great opportunities to travel from a, a young age and I, I, I say it before I've said it before that you, I got identified pretty early as like a talent and then I got put on a vehicle with another 100 people and the destination was the Olympics Yeah. and from a 12 year old to 21 so a 9 year period on that bus people just got off at different stages and then you get to the Olympics and there's the bus with just the 10 people Yeah. and in that time frame that, that 9 years I'd learn all these different experiences and all these things and I'd been put in all these different situations and experimented with different training methods different tapering methods different racing methods and then I stood up there in Beijing and this was the the result of that nine-year bus trip yeah that was that that time that bronze medal or whatever it was in the the 100 meters butterfly was a result of that bus ride and that's the way i kind of explain i've kind of just come up with that new theory on my swim on my swimming (laughs) recently because well it's a brilliant analogy because it's it's hard to to put it into perspective things just kind of happen yeah and you don't really understand why like why am i getting faster and it's like you just swim andrew Everyone else will worry about the rest. Don't ask well, questions, just do it. Yeah, it's very hard to sort of view, give yourself that 2020 view, that bird's eye view of what's mm. actually happening. You're just sort of, a, you're part of this machine that that is trying to make you the mm. best possible athlete, mm. which is super, I really like that analogy. That's really good. When you look at everything back in hindsight, how would you or what would you have done differently, if at all? Um. It's funny, I had a period when, so after the Olympics, after the um, most successful swimming meet of my career, um, I'd been with the same coach for nine years and I had the opportunity to move to Sydney and join like a super squad um, and I thought that was the right time to do it. Um, we'd been from age group swimming all the way through the Olympics, shake hands, leave and then join like a really professional squad which was going to be with a whole group of other Olympians we're going to travel and race and do all this really cool stuff um when i first moved that worked really well um i loved it everything about it was awesome and then something shifted um maybe in my mindset about being a professional athlete and how disciplined and um almost anal i had to be about every part of my life in order to continue to improve Uh uh-huh and do you think that was because you had other people around you that were yeah yeah so at, at the time I was the benchmark of butterfly swimming in Australia, um, close to being the benchmark in the world as far as work ethic goes, as far as technique goes, and as far as just racing. Um, And then Jeff Hugel started back, and he started back overweight. He started back at 120, 125, 130 kilos. He was really fat. And (laughs) um, he had set this goal of, I want to win a Commonwealth Games gold medal, um, and I'm going to join this squad, and I'm going to watch... Andrew and I'm going to just chase him down and every week after week session after session weight was just dripping off him and he was just getting faster and faster and here I was I was like what do I got to do to stay ahead of him what can I do when he's not watching or my coach isn't watching that'll make me better and my default was to just work harder do more say that I'm feeling okay 
and then I just overtrained. So I don't regret it. I just I've learned from it, so I kind of turned into a positive. But I would have preferred that not to have happened. Yeah. I would have preferred not to race really shit for the last two years of my career and had to go to to miss the national team. So what happens in swimming is when you're on the national team, you get a little bit of money, maybe. 20 grand a year that can pay for your rent but as soon as you miss the national team so there's probably 50 people in the pool of getting that 20 grand um you literally get zero yeah and i'd gone living in sydney living in rose bay a relatively nice house to then having no income and then still needing to get massages physio pay petrol pay rent it's like holy shit i'm not getting any money anymore what am i going to do and i think that stress wasn't worth me going through so i was like I'll, I'll pick up move to melbourne move back home and then go again and try and be a professional athlete living um back in black rock <laughs> so that was the last year of my career and you know i did everything right that last year um but then stepped up on for to, to race and just didn't perform and well it's it sort of has me thinking about the life of an olympian mm. like you spoke a lot of interviews about competition and you know, those are all the elements people are wanting to hear about. But I'm, I'm just curious as to what, like, your day-to-day life would be like. And, you know, like, do you guys get even paid well? Is this why all these Olympi- Olympians have to do these promo deals and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff? Yeah, sponsorship is where the money comes from. Yeah. And that sponsorship is given to a very small portion of the Australian swim team. Um, and the, that small portion is generally just the gold medalists. Yeah, I, I was pretty lucky um, that I had a few sponsors over my swimming period, um, luckier than others who are Olympic individual medalists that maybe had never had a sponsor their whole swimming career. Oh. So you get you get a, a small allocation of funding from Australian Swimming and then the Australian Sports Commission um, they have pools of money and they filter that down to athletes. I'm not sure of what currently getting, but it's it's around that twenty thousand mark if you're on the national team, and if you're not, it's nothing. Wow! So you you're really earning not much every yeah. year. Yeah, correct. Wow. Yeah, and um, it just goes to show, like, I you know, like I look at um, look cricket's not a good example, but I feel like athletes get bashed massively, particularly. Mm when they're not uh, performing and um, it just sort of, it's, I don't know, I sort of sit there while the media is bashing them and thinking, well, fuck, are you going to do it? Mm. You can't, you can't swim that fast or compete that Mm. well. Um, It it takes a certain person to stand up there in the limelight with the media and to just take off their shirt and race, you know? Yeah. You know, all eyes on you kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And you you hope that everyone's on your team. Yeah. Because I was looking back at like, you know, that whole still knocks, uh, thing and uh like i think you were interviewed to get your opinion on it and it's just it's just interesting how fanatic the media can become about this sort of stuff yeah they're qu- pretty quick to jump on your back sometimes oh yeah yeah that guy the, i can't remember who interviewed you but he he was sort of yeah th- that's just the media though they're sort of looking for an angle that they can take you know like <laughs> can i get him am i gonna be the guy that gets him <laughs> did you do still knocks andrew um yeah yes <laughs> It wasn't illegal. <laughs> yeah, it's just a sleeping tablet, mate. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Like if this, all this hoo ha. Like y- you'd think people are packing, taking peptides or something. Mm. Mm. Um, you have to do something while you're on those those training camps. Um. <laughs> it's this, this really like I'm very surprised about this. I'm surprised by how little Olympians get paid. Mm. Yeah, the the athletics team would be in the same position. Water polo team. Um, 
Yeah. I'd say all, all of the sports that don't have like a professional league would be getting paid around that mark on an annual basis. So there's a lot of guys, even swimmers, who have to work as well. Um, really? Yeah, a bit of part-time work just to get by. Fuck. Yeah. Jesus. And, that, and, that, and that's kind of why I think what the US have got, they've got a really good college system for their swimming team. Uh Uh, for for swimmers so you can go and race in college and you get a free education you get all that sorted and then you're you're getting some good level um coaching you have so then you finish um college Mm -hmm. with an education the ability to go and work and then they've got a bit more of a pool of money to pay those athletes um there's just been something in the media of late there, there was there's a body that is trying to organize a professional swimming league um i think it's called IPL or something like that, International <laughs> Professional League or something. And um, FINA, who's the governing body of swimming, um, shut that down. Really? Yeah, because it was going to be in competition to the FINA World Cup. So they're, huh. they're kind of holding back the athletes at the moment from going to a, another source of swimming. That is really interesting. I, I'd never thought about the league element as well that you mentioned before. Mm. So There's just nothing because if you look at the swimming calendar, it each year there's a trials and then a major event and there's a world championships every second year and olympics every four years and a commonwealth games every four years so as far as money being pumped into the sport that's going to come through tv coverage and and sponsors being able to leverage off the athletes and because there's just not enough show time time on air there's just not enough money being pumped into the sport yeah um so it's it's i understand the lack of funding that's being put into swimming and and how little it can filter to the athletes but you just i just wish that something more could be done i th- you sort of see now why you know like if you look on instagram a lot of athletes have these influencer type personalities now mm. um and, and it's, it just totally makes sense. They you know, to. like they yeah. have to. You've got to live. That's their. That's their audience. That's their money maker. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. The, like you see, Cam McAvoy. He's a great example of some a swimmer who's doing that really well. Um, he's been able to um, leverage really good content for his sponsors which was i think something that was always hard for me when i was swimming or before social media it's like oh cool thanks um you know mazda for the car but there's no platform for me to share how thankful i am to mazda for that car unless there's an event or something that's been organized for mazda and then what happens is so you know say mazda gave me a car and then mazda gave me a polo shirt with mazda on it that i was able to walk out with wearing that t-shirt before the race but if no one's watching me on tv in that (laughs) mazda t-shirt where does mazda get their value so you've got all these sponsors withdrawing their money because there's no value in the sponsorship Mm. and when you when you were living in the gold coast then like what would your week to week look like (laughs) (laughs) um swim eat sleep surf sleep swim eat sleep (laughs) and then you chuck a couple of gyms in there a couple of pilates a couple of yogas yeah so when i was on the gold coast i was swimming 10 times a week gym three times a week and then pilates once and yoga once Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it is a professional sport but you kind of because you're wanting to recover as much as possible between the sessions you you have your swimming your your morning session which i was probably swimming 5 a.m till 7 then i'll come by the time i got home 
um, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, I'd probably sleep nine to 11. Then I'd have some kind of appointment during the day, like a physio, massage, Pilates, something like that, which would be around that lunchtime period, then have another little rest. And then I would train probably four till six in the afternoon. And then by the time come home, um, have dinner, go to bed. Yeah. And so you think about your, that period of time and you've got, you know, you've got two businesses now, but one of those in particular, it seems like you'd gotten involved in that during your career mm. Did, what were you like were you doing any form of study were you sort of theorizing then about what you were going to do after swimming um i'm actually involved in something that swimming australia is putting together now is like a, a, a little bit more of a transition program and helping out athletes with their tra- transition post swimming at the time while well, uni wasn't for me i tried it <laughs> i did I went to do a business sports management degree and I did one subject which was called intro to sports management. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. So I did sports management at uni. Um, And you realized that was not for you? Not for me. And then I did a massage course. Um, Like I said, I I was relatively lucky that I did have a few sponsors. Um, I always felt that I was going to be involved with sport or swimming in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, I I never felt that much of a pressure to, to work for some reason. I've always knew that it was going to work out okay for me because of me just being able to go and do something. Yeah. You know, like if, if I commit to something, I can just go and do it. So I was lucky enough. Yeah. As you mentioned, I, when I was swimming, I was sponsored by the swimwear company engine. Um, and then I started working two days a week while in my last year of swimming pretty much just managing or handling some of the athletes that we sponsored um, and then helping out at some of the events and getting an idea about products and product development and that type of thing. And then as soon as I finished swimming, rolled straight into full-time work and have just kind of learned on the go. Yeah, it's Engine Swim, when I, when I first saw it, which I saw it through yourself, I think, I don't know where, I feel like it was like a six years ago, there's like an old ad or something that you guys had. Swimming ad at Pram Pool. Is it? Yeah. Um, and I've got, I've still got my pair of blue. Well, I don't think I purchased them six years ago, like maybe a few years ago, but I've still got my blue uh, engine uh, togs. Club cuts? Good. Yeah. They're, they're that unique cut, aren't they? Oh, Where did you buy the really wide side or just the... I guess they're sort of wider. They're, it's sort of... The fat boy. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not like... Um, you know, they're not like your sort of standard uh, Y shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got the fat boy. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you prefer when you go with the uh, the old togs? I go the club cut, one hundred percent polyester club cut. Okay. It's just a ten centimeter side, good fit. Okay. That's what That's what you should train in every day. But the what's become very popular now, especially with boys, is everyone's wearing jammers. So even at my swim school, boy, jammers, um, like knee length nicks kind of thing. Uh-huh. We call them jammers. So. Even at the swim school, eight, nine, ten-year-olds don't want to get into little briefs anymore. They're hmm. quite self-conscious of body parts, so they're all wanting to wear down to the knee. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, look, I don't wear them out in the open. <laughs> I think I feel like Tony Abbott in Australia has ruined that for a lot of people. But um, yeah, I just sort of wear them underneath underneath my bodies. Nah, mate, the bodies are slowing you down. Yeah, yeah, bodies are terrible. Although, like. I'm a big fan of, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of P. Johnson, Taylor's or mm-hmm. Suit Shop. Yeah, it's um, nice. They've, they've got their own uh, bodies that just came out, but okay. I feel like they're not going to be aerodynamic at all. Do they have a bit of stretch? You need <sighs> stretch. I, I know I need, everything. I need to upgrade, upgrade everything. They're a bit old now, a couple of years old, so 
I'm gonna have to check it out. But mm. I remember thinking like I just I thought it was your business. I don't know why. Mm. Um, so are you, are you partner in that business? Now? Yeah. So after working oh, probably a year or two, um, Toby Hainan, who's the 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 founder and my co-owner um he's got a couple of swim schools as well one in sandringham and then one in chelsea he um good old hainan's swim yeah schools. toby hainan's <laughs> swim center yeah um yeah he, he gave me the um opportunity to buy in okay um so that yeah so i've been and i that would be yeah three years ago i bought in so we're the co-owners together and um yeah things are going really well at the moment like christmas is a crazy time summer's really good for us and yeah it's good fun yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Like I was looking at these two businesses and if you look at them, one is very much like a bricks and mortar mm. swim school. Like it's a service. You're teaching kids to swim and you also run squads for teens. Yeah. And then Engine Swim, which is totally different. It's like an e-commerce driven business. Mm. Um, I guess why the swim school? Where, where did that come about? Um, it was almost an opportunity that was too good to pass up. I was at home with my girlfriend and I was just flicking through Facebook and um, a mate of mine who's a business broker was selling a swim school in Frankston. Okay. I showed it to my girlfriend. She goes, oh, that's where I learned to swim. No shit. Yeah. So that was on a Monday. So then I messaged my mate and said, oh, hey, can I come and have a look at the swim school? He said, yeah, let's go come down on Wednesday. So I went down on Wednesday with my girlfriend, had a look, said, yeah, this is pretty good. Um, so on the Friday, got mum and dad to come down. Okay. Had another look, and then on Tuesday we made an offer. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, it it wasn't something that was planned, um, but the opportunity um, was just there. Um, so it's very unique and something that cost millions of dollars to do now. So we own the block of land, so it's a, a pretty big block. Um, it's got a car park on the front. Okay. It's got a residence where I live. Wow. So a four bedroom house, Shit. and then down the back is like a cust- a purpose built indoor learn to swim center wow. change rooms reception kids play area office it's beautiful wow courtyard out the back do you know like i i learned to swim in a similar thing around the corner in you know it was like an old i don't know if you know bentley pretty well but bentley's got a lot of these old sort of um 1950s 60s brick houses mm. with like the perfectly cut lawns and everything and um oh shit i can't i'd have to ask my mum the name of the lady who ran this place but yeah it's so many memories of going to that swim school. Those those type of businesses are run by pretty some pretty tough women. Yeah. Um, that was the lady who we bought it from. She she did everything. She did all the admin, all the accounts, all the teaching, um, and just had enough of it after fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's awesome. Um, yeah, but back to your question, the difference between a service and a um, a kind of a retail brand. The service industry is quite nice, as in, um, especially the swim school is being positively geared. Mm. So at the start of the term, we know how many kids we've got enrolled. Yeah. All right, guys, here's we've got to pay your deposit before the term even starts pay your full fees within the first two weeks and then we can gauge what our overheads are going to be so we know how many hours we're going to be open so what the wages are going to be as far as paying our casuals um, and then give or take a little bit for you know chlorine all those all, all those the, kind of expenses stuff, yeah. yeah and whereas compared to engine which is just a, a really big beast so we do we're a full retail brand and then we do full custom uniforms and Hmm. swimwear for teams schools life-saving clubs swimming clubs football clubs so that's uh we do we offer a boutique um 
solution for uniforming. So if your soccer team said, oh, we need some polos, we can do that for you. We're going to turn around in four to six weeks. And so that that customer engagement is going back and forth all the time and always just the need to sell is is just completely different yeah Yeah, whereas at the start of the term it's like cool that's our numbers for the term 10 weeks later let's worry about the next term whereas engine week on week it's more sales more sales more sales how do you find living down in frankston south i feel like a lot of bayside has pivoted towards Mm. that region like my fiance's parents now have two houses down there they've pretty much sold out of brighton and moved down there completely yeah i love it it's uh it's such a brilliant area it's beautiful yeah. Um, my girlfriend grew up in Frankston, um, so her family's just around the corner. But, yeah, I love it. Love the beaches, love Mornington, love... Yeah, well, you've got Mornington around the corner, Mount Eliza. Mount Eliza's beautiful. Um, I think, uh, what did her parents just buy a place? It was Safety Beach. So mm, they, even um, further down. Yeah, yeah, a lot further down. Yeah, like they, um, they're actually babysitting, not babysitting, uh, dog-sitting someone's house at the moment in summers. But they've got a place in... Uh, it's Dramana, but it's actually on Arthur's seat. Nice. Um, and it's been in their family for about 30 years. So, it was their grandparents' place. And now they that's where they get their income from. It's an Airbnb. Wow. Yeah. So, we go Prime down- time coming up over summer. I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're renting that out. The place in Safety Beach isn't ready yet. It's part of that new Martha Cove thing. Oh, cool. Do you know- Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the that? redevelopment and the- Yeah. They're the setting up a big yacht club and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, the place comes with some sort of mooring yeah. of some kind. But, um, yeah, it's it's super interesting down there. It's, it's you know, like back in the day, Frankston was like a real dump. And mm. now it's like really gentrified. It's still got the stigma of it being a dump. And there's, but it, it's not. It's not. <laughs> like you, I, I travel anywhere in Australia and say, oh, yeah, I live in Frankston. Like, Frankston? Really? But it's like you don't understand how nice it is. Like I know the the CBD part is really nice. I've just redone the whole train station, which really? is awesome. So I think once they can clean up like areas like train stations, that changes a lot as yeah. well. Um, that main business hub will improve a lot. Um, we're seeing better cafes, restaurants, and that type of thing there. Right, you should see the Hoyt Cinemas there. Really. <laughs> normal seat is like gold class it's unbelievable really? yeah well yeah the business element is is interesting to me because i've always thought that they're gonna have to create a few sort of city centers outside mm. of melbourne like what they're doing in sydney a bit yeah yeah like like sort of Parramatta or Parramatta. western city yeah western sydney yeah like i feel like frankston to me is the because you know look at where frankston is and then you've got hastings what 20 30 minutes away mm. like that's the new major port for us mm. um i don't know if you've heard much about that but they're considering basically turning that into victoria's uh second major port as in like doing redevelopment so that they can take in more because the government just sold like they just gave a, a 99 year lease to some private corporation for the city one mm. so they're thinking about turning hastings wow. into an open seaport because it, because if you think about their, you know, like you've got Victoria, and Hastings Port is just over here on mm. the uh, the eastern side. Yeah, you've got to come sort of come into. Oh, do you have to come into that area where French's Island and all that is? I, I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, would well, still protect it. Fine. Yeah, but like consider how much petrol will be saved as opposed to going in there. And Melbourne's a nightmare because if you see where their pa- parents' house is on the top of Dramana, they've got. Um, 
you can see the the channels or the lanes. The dredging and stuff. That well, not not the dredging, but the ships are lined up. So on a bad day, they're all lined they're up waiting. Yeah, they're basically in a queue. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you're in the CBD, and your freighting is a lot more expensive, depending on where you're going. Whereas, you know, somewhere like here could work. It just really depends because they've still got the connection to the. Yeah. There's some sort of train station near Stony Point or something like that around that area. It's interesting, yeah. Like even even the wineries and the development yeah. down the Mornington Peninsula is just going out of control. Hands down, Mornington Peninsula is the best wine region in yeah. Victoria. It's beautiful. Foxy's Hangout, you've been yeah, there. Yeah, been there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Polperro. Yeah, yeah. Love going to Foxy's every every time we go down there. It's yeah. just such a great spot. Um, when you look at swimming and teaching people now and i know it's it's a bit different when you're teaching younger kids but what are sort of the crucial elements to being a good swimmer that you think most novices miss with the squad that i teach now um i can see the swimmers that have come from my learn to swim program opposed to some other learn to swim programs okay and the difference in the way that their body's sitting in the water yeah. If that makes sense. So we we focus a lot on body position and staying nice and flat in the water. Um, and we teach a, like a catch-up styled freestyle, which means that you're waiting out in front, almost touching the hand, then the next hand is stroking. Whereas at other swim schools, I think the focus is more just on getting from one end to the other in whatever means necessary when doing freestyle. So they're kind of like almost crawling and like, constantly rolling forward which is fine when you're swimming in just a really small pool but when you're doing ocean swims or you know like if you, you wanted to go and do the peter pub or whatever ocean swim it was if you're if you're doing that for the whole 2k you're going to get pretty tired um and you know, i see it in some of these kids when they come and try and do they move from a 12 and a half meter pool to a 25 meter pool they're absolutely exhausted at 15 meters because really? they're, they're they're just not efficient Whereas our swimmers are sitting nice and long in the water, nice long strokes. They may be going a little bit slower because of the extra pausing, but their efficiency is way better. Hmm. So just focus on efficiency. Have you ever heard of Total Immersion? Yeah. Terry Lachlan? Yeah, I've read the book. Have you? Yeah. What do you think? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. It, it, it all makes sense. And it's it's pretty simple swimming. Like the idea is just to get from one, one end to the other. Mm. And I understand the whole efficiency stuff. But I think you need to be a, a, a certain level of swimmer with a, a good feel for the water to then go and do the total immersion stuff. And I think it's great. Yeah. It's it's really interesting because um, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss and he's he was paranoid about swimming apparently yeah. and Terry Lachlan is the guy that he fo- he focused on his stuff. So I found it interesting like I got stuck. You get, you get better at swimming by swimming as well and you oh, probably hadn't course. swum before. I think so. Yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that because like I was watching him, I've seen the Tim Ferriss show where he does that episode where they teach people who are absolutely paranoid about swimming with this method. Yeah. Unfortunately, Terry Lachlan died recently. I think he had cancer. Right. But um. It's it's very very interesting. Just to, I got stuck in like a one hour doco last night, just like on swimming team, <laughs> just like thing. And my partner's like, "What the fuck? Are you getting distracted again?" <laughs> this is the problem when I do research. What did you learn? Um, that I don't need to be watching this. <laughs> um, what what the the main thing I learned is the length in the water. Yeah, I think that's what most. And they showed it with like Grant Hackett. Yeah, and how he did that really well. It, and you know little certain techniques that would make your length in the water better like when you breathe mm. you know like so many people 
um, make too us, early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met, dude. I remember we used to have like a house swimming sports at mm. Brighton Goma. Yeah, I fucking used to hate that shit. Can't believe they still have that pool. Yeah, they've still got that pool. For those who don't know, it's like a tiny what twelve and a half. Oh, it's twenty five, but it it's twenty five. Built in the sixties. Yeah, they're out of touch from all the other APS schools now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's this outdoor cement. Like everything just around it is cement. It's no good. Yeah, it's no good. <laughs> um, you'd c- cover before about this period of burnout. I think what this has been a big thing for me lately. Mm. You know, like having off days and burnout, and just finding a better way to to live your life better. Like you had it pretty bad. I think to the point where your testosterone was lower than yeah. uh, on average. One of my training partners. Yeah. 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 Um, looking back on that period, what have you learned now? I know you, you started with things like yoga, meditation, mm. the entrepreneurial endeavors, CrossFit. What did it teach you in particular? The overtraining. Yeah. Um, the importance of sleep, for one. Um, How much do you sleep now? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get eight hours of sleep a night. Okay. So trying to get in bed nine nine thirty, get up at five. Um, Always an early riser. Yeah. Oh, my girlfriend has to travel a fair bit from work, and she does gym in the morning, so I may as well get up with her. <laughs> um, sleep. I think an awareness of your body, uh, an awareness of when you are tired, um, when you're hungry, just getting to know yourself rather than just being an autopilot just being aware of how you feel how you're sleeping just almost like a, a little um diary on how <laughs> you're going how your motivation is and just being aware of things yeah. um, i think is really important because that was probably what i lost track of was i was so hungry on achieving a, a certain goal I've, i just said i convince myself that I was fine mm. um, and just continued to bash myself and didn't kind of rest and then build rest and then build and then as a continual evolution of just improvement yeah i think you need those l- low periods and then to go higher low period and continue to build up whereas i thought i could just it was just a diagonal tra- trajectory um so doing a little bit more of that and make yeah like even now it's it's turning off your phone um having those those periods of downtime yeah I, I, it was interesting to read about this not trying technique mm. and does that have any relevance to that? Like what was sort of the specific elements of that? Um, that comes when you do it the one thing a thousand times, <laughs> I think, <laughs> which is um, I'd practiced that 100-meter butterfly so many times that all I had to do was just let it happen. Um, my preparation, like I said, on that bus for the last nine years was focused on for that one race. Mm-hmm. Um and then just by thinking, I was going to wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But uh, now, now I don't think there's that many things that I can't think about a little bit more, maybe overthink things because you uh, you need that little bit of control. Mm. Um well, yeah, so I think that's about repetition, repetition, yeah. repetition, repetition. And then when you need to perform, it can happen. So I think for you now, it sounds like it's just about reminding yourself to decompress, be aware of what's going on. 
It must be pretty tough with everything you've got going on. Yeah. I live at, I live at my, one of my businesses. <laughs> I, wake up, I wake up in the morning and I can hear the heater for the pool going. Wow. And you can do the pool test. But um, I love it. I think that's that's the most important thing is that I'm passionate about both or everything that I do. I love the the swim school. I love the swimwear company. I love all the people that um, the businesses that I'm involved with affect. Um, you know, like one of the things that I'm really proud of is um, at Engine, we sponsor about 100 athletes Australia-wide. Um, and I see the growth in some of those guys that we've given a chance and given a sponsorship to it may not it's not a huge sponsorship it's you know a thousand dollars worth of engine product a year but it's this sense of belonging and a sense of achievement that we're giving to someone um you're part of the team um and then sometimes that can change their whole direction um you know a 14 year old who was maybe just a really good um a good surf lifesaver a good pool swimmer but maybe not the best in australia they get this this thing about being an engine athlete um and then it can change that really change the whole trajectory there's a, a little boy um that i coach at squad his name's ben mcconnell um he's at mornington lifesaving club and um we've sponsored him this year and i've just seen him grow like i've never seen a person grow in six months 12 months um and his thing now is to be a professional iron man he wants to finish school and do really well in school they move to the gold coast and and go for his his goal um and whereas two years ago he was you know finishing fifth sixth seventh eighth but i saw something in his um endeavor to work hard and his passion for the sport gave him a chance and now he's winning state championships you must be i mean i know what it's like when i I love being able to do that sort of stuff where you can teach people something and Mm. they take it take it onwards but I gotta, I gotta say, you must be like beaming internally when you see that yeah. sort of stuff. <laughs> it, it, it takes its toll a little bit too. Like, there's a lot of people that I can affect, so I have to bide my time. Also, interesting. It's awesome, but yeah, there's no better feeling than um, giving someone some advice or giving them the the knowledge or the power or whatever it is, and then they run with it yeah. in their own way. How do you decompress then if we're, if we're touching on stress as well because i think this is like a key Mm. element for a lot of people is it going to the hoits is it something else i love doing gym okay um so that was that was my thing after like that's my happy place in the gym so i've got a gym at the swim school as well um it's funny though how big is this gym uh like a four car car park really yeah it's just small but it's just for me so i do that every morning that's pretty big yeah, that's, that's, nice one. that's for me. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> that, that and now my new things just um, like what we touched on earlier that paddleboard. Yeah, um, trying a new skill. So in the morning from five till seven thirty, that's my time. Um, that 110 grams of oats with the protein powder that's my time watch a bit of YouTube some, some UFC stuff I love the that whole mindset that those guys have too yeah and it, some, of, some of the footage that the UFC puts out the behind the scenes stuff um, and the the time effort passion um, the wins and losses and then the, the growth mindset of all those athletes is something that I love to watch to start my day yeah it's quite stunning I've, I've really gotten into um BJJ, mm. like I've just started in the last month. I did martial arts quite a bit as a kid. And um, yeah, seeing that, the, the whole mindset of constant improvement, they're sort of like real life ninjas in a way, a lot of these guys. Mm. Um, I don't know if you're, you're a big fan of the Gracies, but like the uh, Rena, Gra- Rena, is that how I pronounce his name? From, uh, there's like many different splinters of the Gracie family who started this BJJ thing. 
and the LA-based one is this super facet. They do so much fascinating stuff. Like, they find kids who've been bullied. Like, there's a few prime examples in the US of kids being bullied and having it caught on tape and it just sort of ruined them. And then they take them into their program for, like, mm. a, a week. They pay for everything. They teach them about their diet, um, eating right, training right, and just the changes, changes are fucking unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I love seeing that sort of stuff. That's cool. That The whole awareness of BJJ is awesome I oh think. my god yeah, yeah. The, the gym that i'm at is on, on a the big class on mat one it, it's absolute ma in the city mm. probably the oh yeah the the best because they have some of the best coaches there but um it's there's there's probably like there's probably like th- close to 30 people in a class That's like cool. it's massive they, they they can't fit the people in half the time what i found motivating too is the like what you would see with those 30 people the time and effort and dedication that those 30 people are putting in to bjj yeah um it was the same as when i finished um swimming and i started doing crossfit at schwartz's in caulfield that i saw the, the level of commitment that so many people were putting into crossfit was kind of similar to what i'd put into yeah. swimming as a professional athlete but all of these guys who are turning up to a class have just been at work all day or <laughs> they're, they're doing a class and then they're going to go to work all day but they're just as committed just as diligent about their log books just as diligent about the weights that they're using in their technique and taking on that advice from the coaches and i think it's those type of um classes and and sports where it's um not just about you know, there's, it's it's fine to just go and run 5K, but it's the technique stuff that I think is that extra level of thinking, that critical level of thinking that you can apply to a sport that would apply really well to business. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I've been pushing with Swimming Australia. It's like critical thinking in sport is what you do at a, as a high-level athlete. And once you're no longer a high-level athlete, that level of thinking and having someone help you with your thinking just is gone yeah so they need to reintroduce that to those athletes in life after sport in another way in another way that makes them feel good about themselves makes them feel like they're 13 14 15 and they're progressing and learning again and that's got to be something new in like a sport like a bjj or a martial arts or a crossfit where there's a huge modality of techniques and opportunity to improve and stuff yeah i i I think you're 100 percent right with that it's that high performance mindset like Mm. The reason why I joined at Absolute MMA was because they don't just offer BJJ. They like it is the dominant class, obviously, if you look at the timetable. But they offer boxing, Muay Thai, all that sort of stuff. And to your point about the community there, like you see people who are standing on the side of the cage that are just watching, and then they might come in around the side at the end of the class and like speak to a few people, and like they're avidly showing them what cool. they should be doing. And the reason I joined there specifically is like for the last year had this health issue that's like really prevented me from doing any real proper exercise and to get back into it i just thought well like when you're doing weights it's it's sort of i don't know there's something about it like it becomes boring Mm. like if if the only form of exercise you do is like weights and a bit of running (laughs) like i can see why you sort of taper out and even though you may have like a a strength coach or this or that it's just totally different I, i find that 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 element that you get at like the F45s, the CrossFits, the the sort of gyms that I'm at right now, where you've got that sense of community, it's sort community of... Community is good. Yeah. Yeah. It just sort of really makes it, I don't know, a bit, bit higher. Like it gives you a bit more of a higher purpose, if that makes sense. Mm. It's, it's like going to another like club, essentially, that's not a club. 
<laughs> like there's there's sporting clubs and then now these gyms or and like MMA but what do you call them? I don't know, like martial arts gyms, martial arts yeah. studios that yeah they are becoming clubs and you're proud to be part of it you're proud you see lots of people walking around with Schwartz's <laughs> merchandise absolute MMI MMA merchandise on because they're proud yeah yeah it's so funny that it's but I guess that's part of uh, the human the human psyche of like falling into stories and and making it define you as a person as mm. well um, there's still so much I want to cover but I'm starting to look at the time and. <laughs> Realize that I've, I've got to get into some shorter, fast questions for you. Cool. Um, now, you've covered what you do in your morning. So, morning routine, wake up five, have some oats with protein. That'll be that'll be after gym. Okay. Wake up at five, gym probably 5.30 till about seven. Okay. And then it's oats time. So, seven till 7.30 okay. is oats, YouTube. Yep. And then go and do the pull tests. Um, down the pool, which probably takes 15 minutes, then 7.45 off to work at Engine. Okay. So, work at Engine and what do you do like when it comes to the swim school? Are you doing classes yourself or are you overlooking? No. So, when I first bought the swim school, um, I was doing some teaching in the water, Mm -hmm. um, but now I'm pretty hands-off. Um, we've got really good teachers, um, got a really good pool manager. Um, my mum's the reception manager and then dad does the accounts and yeah. um, kind of just runs itself. Um, again, the beauty of a service industry that that repeats itself week on week. Week one is very similar to week two, week two similar to week three. <laughs> just the programming changes, but the kids, once a kid signs up for nine o'clock on a Monday morning, that's the same kid's going to turn up nine o'clock on a Monday morning for the next 10 weeks. Interesting. Now, the evening, how do you decompress at night? What are you doing at night? So, night time will be about, by the time the swim school wraps up, so I'll get home probably 6.30. I'll be at the swim school probably till 7.30. Um, it'll be a quick dinner, um, maybe a bit of bachelor bachelorette with my girlfriend and then um time for bed oh shit (laughs) big finale this week (laughs) on the bachelorette yeah yeah um all i saw was people carrying on on twitter uh my sister had some stories about it on instagram and uh that's all i know and that's where (laughs) i want to keep it you can the best is to watch um the punky recaps p-u-n-k-e-e on um facebook those recaps that's all you need to watch it's about a minute 30 watch that after every episode of the bachelor bachelorette or love island um you'll love it Australian TV is uh, taking an interesting turn in the last (laughs) two years it's pretty much like reality love shows um and news and food. Some food yeah. yeah. I actually remember I got pulled up. Shit, what was that show? I think it was like Channel 9, saying about marriage. I feel like it was Married, married, married at First, at first sight. sight. Yeah, they asked, they're like st- stopping people. And she was like, <laughs> oh, um, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah from this channel. Do you want to be on this show? I thought, this is fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've like got my, my nana trolley bag going to the market at South Melbourne Market. I'm like, well, nah, sorry. Like, I'm planning to propose in about three months. <laughs> that was fucking weird. You made a good candidate with the trolley bag. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, uh, well, imagine being on that. Um, so, you're exercising for an hour and a half. What's involved? Um, at the moment, I'm doing... I'm following a bit of a program which is called like functional bodybuilding. Um, okay. It's a guy in the US. He he used to be a, a top level CrossFitter, um, but was kind of getting a bit beaten down by the high intensity of CrossFit because CrossFit's essentially move through 
a certain number of reps um, and exercises as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some Olympic lifting and gymnastics um, components to it, but the the, I, the main thing is like a, a bit of a race. Um, when you're doing that by yourself, it's not not as not that fun to mm. be left lying in a pool of sweat every single morning. So he's a little bit more functional, so a little bit more single leg stuff. Car, that outside. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, single leg stuff. All a lot about symmetrical um, movements, um, but then still some of the core principles of CrossFit um, combined with a little bit more of bodybuilding. And I've just felt that it works well for my body. Like I, I mm-hmm. haven't been injured, um, just low intensity, and I like it. Um, so it's either that or paddling a board. Yeah, I think you would really enjoy. We've we've done two episodes with sort of strength functional coaches like Eugene Tier and Olivia Olkowski. Mm. They're, they're sort of like this new... Eugene Insta- Tiao is really good. Oh, he's really good. Yeah. yeah. They're sort of becoming part of this... I call them the Instagram coaching mafia. Yeah. But like there's sort of like this group of coaches who are sort of really trying to do some interesting stuff. Like Eugene in particular around... Like he'll study like people who do ballet dancing their whole life and look at how they train their calves mm. to then identify the calf training that he does. Mm. It's so, so fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I'm... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really training for aesthetics or anything like that. Yeah, which is which is another whole beast in that whole bodybuilding piece, which Eugene's like an expert in. Yeah, but then he's now he's moving a little bit away from that bodybuilding piece and and a lot in like rehab and just actually feeling good. Yeah, um, feeling good in your body and in in the way it looks, but then in the way that it functions. More importantly, yeah, he's very similar to. There's a book we've got here. I'm trying to think where it was. Uh, it's you might be able to see it there. The Supple Leopard oh, by yeah. um. Yeah, he's good. Kelly. Kelly uh, Starrett. Kelly yeah. Starrett. Yeah, that's it. So, um, to me, he's sort of part of that new movement now yeah. that you're seeing. Um, and I know Kelly Starrett's got an, uh, a CrossFit gym, but it's sort of like a physio gym as well. Um, best purchase under $200. Best purchase under $200. I would say my iWatch, but the new iWatch is well over $200. I love it. Um, Why do you love it? Oh... I've never been a watch person, but it's funny. I actually track my steps and look at the time a lot more than what I thought. Does it? It's got your heart rate as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it tracks my heart rate, but I, I know that I like it because this is my third one. Because okay. I've I, I lost one body surfing and then smashed one with a kettlebell. Shit! And if you don't like something, you you don't necessarily replace it. But I've replaced it always within a week. Huh? And it tracks your sleep as well, yeah. I don't wear it to bed. I'm actually going to get one of those aura rings. I had one and I just lost it. Did you like it? I fucking loved it. Yeah. But they're they're not cheap. They're about 400 Aussie. That's a Christmas present. It is. It's on my Christmas list. Yeah. I've actually got the charger there on my desk and I'm just trying to work out whether I try and come up with something because, you know, they replace them. They've got like a warranty within a year. There you go. But I don't think it covers... uh, losses as you wouldn't expect what did you find best about that was it the hrv stuff like that's that's hrv yeah um the fact that you know with your watch so the main issue i've had in the last year health wise was i got these gut related problems and it gave me i didn't realize but it gave me like severe anxiety but like a really type a a specific type of anxiety that affects your gastrointestinal tract so it would mean that i'm very overly aware of health related things and i found that having like a fitbit or like an apple watch i would too often check like my heart rate and stuff like that and it would just make everything worse the aura ring is just this nice looking ring that just doesn't affect you yeah you know like 
it doesn't affect you when you sleep, when you're out exercising, whatever. It's just perfect, but they're not as affordable mm. as like th- this watch does so many other things. Mm. You know, what, what's an Apple Watch these days? But about four hundred bucks. Well, this, your entry this, level. This one here is yeah, entry level four hundred, but the Series Four is now. 850 bucks yeah shit. 800 bucks well they've sort of worked i'm an apple shareholder I've, I've been reading a lot recently about what's going on then they can sort of see that everything's moving towards watches wearables and, wearables yeah. and all that and they need to increase the um the average sale price yeah the average margin <laughs> for it because if like if there's no more iphones then they're in the shit yeah um yeah it's have a look at it i mean it's it's brilliant it's a brilliant tool but um I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. The Aura Ring? You're not sure about it? Well, it's just, it's like I'm- It's I'm, expensive. Now Now that you're wearing that, I'm just yeah. contemplating that. But mm. Another good thing, is, which is around, oh, it's also over 400 bucks, but if you get them on sale, like they were just on sale at the Iconic, is R.M. Williams boots for around 200 <laughs> bucks. Very uh, good. <laughs> how brightened how of you. <laughs> R.M. Williams, that's like the, uh, the good old cliche, huh? Um, if you had to- purchase or sorry gift a book to the audience for christmas what would it be um my favorite book that i read this year is a book called colombiano um it's a a book on um two kids who go off into like a army a youth like a children's army in colombia um a lot about drugs and stuff like that I love that type of book. <laughs> um, it was the, guy, the same guy who wrote um, a book called Marching Powder. Um, I can't remember the name of the no, the guy who wrote the book, but uh, 700 pages and I read in a couple of weeks. Mm. Mm. Very it's interesting. It's a ripper. Um, last question for you. What's a quote that you live your life by or think of often? I often think about like failing to prepare is preparing to fail, but um, that was something probably for me a little bit more in my swimming times Mm -hmm. um i was really big on um being physically prepared it was quite interesting i had a conversation at the swimmer of the year dinner with a girl called um maddie groves um she's an olympic medalist um been on the national team for a long time and she was talking about how they've um introduced um there's no longer a drinking ban for athletes when they travel with the australian swim team And I said, and I was like, oh, well, that wouldn't have affected me. I would never have drunk. You know, I didn't drink 10 weeks before um, before a major competition. She's like, oh, why is that? I was like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't really like drinking that much. And I would feel like it would affect my performance. And she's like, oh, well, um, I was drinking wine two weeks before the world championships and I won a medal or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, well, I just wouldn't have done it. And she goes, oh, well, maybe you're a mental midget. Like, just get over it. Shit. I was like, well, I just wanted to be clean. She's like, yeah, well, tell yourself you're fine. Wow. That's an interesting mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, So, I I was a lot about preparation. So, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. A quote that I live by now, I think just enjoy what you're doing um, as much as possible. Like, I I wake up every morning pretty positive about everything. and if and if you're not that happy in what you're doing, um, you don't need to necessarily make the changes straight away. But you know, how can you change things to potentially move into a direction that you're looking that you really want to go? Mm. I like that. I like both of them. I think they're applicable in different situations. Mm. Um, Lordo, thank you for joining. <laughs> thank you. Um, 
Where can people find you? Where can they find Engine, New yep. Wave Swim School? Give us all the links. Yeah, so um, me personally, probably mainly on Instagram, which is a Louderstein. Mm-hmm. Um, Engine's website is enginswim.com. And then the swim school is newwaveswim.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. My okay. Facebook, like you, I'm kind of phasing that one out, mate. <laughs> Facebook's done. Facebook is, uh, <laughs> it worries me because I hold shares in Facebook, but... Um, it, it worries me how many of my parents' generation now are like dominant across Facebook. But Facebook is sort of good for a few specific things like events and a few mm. long form video elements and stuff like that. But I feel like Instagram is where it's at at the moment. I agree. Twitter's just a, an arguing match, which I hate. Um, but yeah, we'll make sure we link all that. Thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you. I know you're very busy, but... um. It's been a pleasure having you. Great stuff. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for making it this far. Before you run off, we have a quick ask for you. Subscribe on your podcast app. Subscribing will give you priority access and help your fellow-minded listeners find Uncommon. Or you could also share with a friend. This will go a long way in building our audience, which will help us both get further guests on the show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube by searching Neural, which is N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E. But until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash media. Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neural.com slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON.